Welcome to the Cauldron. I'm Alan. And I'm Kelly. And welcome to Bitches Brew, a podcast where we bitch about our favorite topics. And this week, we'll be bitching about history. Who would play That's her? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Who would play her? I think you meant herstory, Alan. <laughs> oh, it's, I, I, it's a very bad faux pas. Yes, herstory. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, his is right up. now. <laughs> <laughs> I swear. Everything else is manly. We don't need history to be manly as well. Correct. Let's switch the paradigm. I'm ready. All right. So before we revolutionize uh, history into herstory, uh, what are we sipping? <laughs> on this week <laughs> we're educated <laughs> oh <promise>. yeah oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah totally um well i have a glass of champagne just straight up champagne nice um what about you uh i have uh basically i'll sum it up as a gin punch oh okay yeah a little you got like a medley of juices going on or yeah it's just like hawaiian punch with gin <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Even better. <laughs> so that's it. Keeping it classy. It's like a redneck, a redneck Bahama mama. I mean, I'm in the mountains, girls. So I love it. <laughs> gotta adapt, I guess. I'm, oh no, I've already, I've already uh, transitioned. <laughs> well, I, I recently found out what a redneck margarita is. Isn't it with Mountain Dew? Yeah, it's like Mountain Dew and tequila. I was watching <gasps> um, Queer Eye of all things, and a man was like, "Yeah, this is how you make it," and I was like, "Who hurt you? Please help him." And they did. I, I so. think. Well, it was his ex-wife, <laughs> from what I remember. <laughs> Oh, his ex-wife came up with it? Goodness. (laughs) It's better they're not together. Leave that in the past. (laughs) God. (laughs) Well, uh, since we divulge what we're sipping on, uh, what what brief apps do we have to uh, pass around the party? Um, I feel like my brief apps are just like just me complaining so maybe you go first <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> um well yeah well mine's a little bit of an accomplishment uh many accomplishments that um Ooh. so the kitchen is finally unpacked all the boxes are out everything's Hell yeah. cleaned out uh i um made our bar set up with our little like um keurig and coffee maker with our spirits next to them too really cute um nice what else uh justin and i went to lowe's recently and picked out some blinds that uh we hung up in our living room in our kind of big bay window that we have so uh mm-hmm. the the makeshift type of blinds i guess you'll say <laughs> are out of here which they needed to be gone like two centuries ago but hey <laughs> um so that was nice uh very turn that totally house. changes the look of a room too oh yeah girl like it, it really does mm-hmm. so turning this house into a home so we love, love that um i finally got my uh license from the dmv so that's chill um oh, with your real name on it yes <laughs> with my real name <laughs> real name and address uh, of where i live um goodness. and i guess that's about it uh did did I talk about us hanging out with Lisette already? Oh no, last time that was you were going to go do that. Okay. So I all think. right. Yeah. So that was fun catching up with with her, uh okay. shooting the shit. Uh we went to a local restaurant and uh the food was kind of decent. It was fine. Um and then we went to a local brewery that was like literally like a block away from the restaurant. And um girl. <laughs> oh no, what happened? Uh so it was so it was it was on a Friday night like around i think it was like mm, seven by that point so 
like you know you expect it to be like popping and locking uh they yeah. had a live um person singing on his guitar cute Ooh. but um so i was the first one to enter of the three of us and you would think i like just walked in to like my first hoot nanny uh because <laughs> everyone is like dressed the same they looked like they just came off the farm with their little like wrangler oh, jeans and their like <laughs> farmer hats and like all the women were dressed the same and their little like conservative turtleneck sweaters like it <laughs> we we looked like the three lost liberals walking into <laughs> <laughs> this this brewery and um oh my gosh all all eyes were on us and god bless Lisette uh. because like she she was wearing like a little like foxy number on her like she was wearing like a little i think not leather jacket but like a little black jacket and like uh a nice like kind of top and everything but like people were staring us down like <laughs> so we oh, had like man. one one beer and then like we were like we're just gonna go back to the house so we yeah. proceeded to come back here and like chill and like catch up and stuff but just going there i was just like we are the three little pigs that lost their way <laughs> oh my gosh into the wolf's den <laughs> what a moment yeah you walk in and everyone turns to look <laughs> and be like i thought i smell a liberal <laughs> Uh, uh, but yeah, um, have me <laughs> tuck and tail and run and be like, I'm just gonna go back to the restaurant. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, because the restaurant was fine. It was like more diverse there. So, <laughs> but um, but yeah, that's that's it all in my uh, neck of the woods. So, um, what do you have to complain about? <laughs> <laughs> Literally nothing important. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so I got my books. They were shipped to me. Woohoo! That's not what I'm complaining about. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and I caught up with a friend from high school recently, so I'm not complaining about that either. But I got books and connections. <laughs> Fuck my I life. Know. My life is just going so well. Uh, and then come today of all, actually, uh, this would have been a totally fine day but i went to go get my hair and nails done uh -huh. so i go to the salon hair salon at 9 a.m uh right when they open i'm like look i don't have an appointment but i'm desperate help me <laughs> I'm she's like desperate. okay i'm a flop please help <laughs> literally pull me out of the gutter <laughs> and wash me <laughs> i need a blowout like help <laughs> anything please alms for the poor so I walk in and I'm like, look, I just want to chop it all off. Um, not literally, but like enough to where I have like a bob. Oh, okay. Nicki Minaj calling me Bob. Um, so I the haircut was going well. She's like, You have a lot of hair. And I was like, I know, but you know, <laughs> thanks. Cut it. <laughs> so she got the length I wanted and it mostly looks fine. I think it's just the I told her I wanted it a little bit longer in the front than in the back, but not like to a Karen hairstyle where it's like chicken feathers in the back oh, and then right. like Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so she got the back right, but then the front is the same length. So it's I look like Lord Farquaad, like literally. Oh, no, I have like a grown out coconut head, and it's oh, making me so no, sad. Not coconut head, literally. And it, I just like I, I walked out and I was like, I mean, I can fix this. I can fix this. And <laughs> I got home and I'm like trying to style it or put it up or do something. It looks okay with a headband. If I put a headband in, it's not bad. So you know. So. So, so that's survive. gonna be your personality for the next. Literally, you I'm know? gonna be the head. <laughs> I'm gonna be the head girl at work for 
like the next six weeks until this grows out. Yeah. So love that for me. 2023 like, is the year of the headband. Be like, Kelly, you really love headbands, girl. Like you came into your headband phase, I guess. And then you're just like in the corner shaking. You're like, yeah. <laughs> Another headband. Another day. <laughs> yeah. So that's what's happening right now. Um, I'm slowly getting used to it. I'm definitely glad just to have all that weight off. Um, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like drying my hair is going to be a lot uh, quicker because I cut like 10 inches. It was a lot of hair. Like it was halfway down my back and now it's above my shoulders. So it's a it's a lot of oh, length shit. Gone. Oh, okay. Um, and then I was like, okay, well, my day can't get any worse. The nail salon opens at 11. So I had a little bit of time to kill. I took myself out to breakfast, read my book. Um, nice. I'm reading uh, Sleuthfoot by Brom. It's a horror novel. Um, oh. It's actually really fucking good. I didn't expect to like it because I'm like easily creeped out. <laughs> but so far it hasn't. I'm like 100 pages in it. It's not bad. Mm. So, um, but I highly recommend it if you're into something spooky. And it follows a revenge plot. So that's kind of satisfying too. Um, but finally I kill enough time I'm going to the nail salon and I get sat with the again I walk in without an appointment mistake uh, and I'm just like please help me I'm desperate (laughs) I know you just opened like do you have anybody Um, and they did have anybody so I got thrown in with a dude who has not done my nails before I don't recognize him Um, this isn't also the typical salon I go to either because the nail salon I like to go to isn't open on Sundays so I would have had gone yesterday but it's fine I went and I literally just told him I want like a short almond shape white nail with a red heart on it and I showed him a reference picture it's like a smaller heart at the top of your nail so it's like very delicate looking but like just um decorated enough to be like oh those are like valentine's day nails because that's coming up so i was like okay all right yeah i just want something super simple like anybody could do it uh i was wrong i (laughs) got like short uh almond shaped white nails but the hearts on them are not i don't like them they're huge first of all and they're in the center of my nail so they're not at the top and they're not small and they're very wiggly and wobbly and crooked and none of them look similar and uh there's giant fissures in them so some of them almost look like broken hearts um but (laughs) i'm like from a distance you can't tell and also i'm trying to like convince myself it's very whimsical and avant-garde and playful and i'm trying (laughs) to i'm trying so hard (laughs) you're trying to love (laughs) love your nails talking yourself (laughs) up about your nails and you having your new identity (laughs) with your headbands Lord Farquaad stumbled upon headbands and is go- having a field day. God. <laughs> so, yeah, but that's how my day has been going. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Well, hopefully uh, <laughs> being on Bitches <laughs> Brew will turn it around. <laughs> yeah, like here's hoping. But also 2023 is about <laughs> inner beauty, not outer beauty. It doesn't matter if you got a <laughs> shitty haircut and bad nails in the same day. You're still beautiful. <laughs> 2023 is all about headbands <laughs> i'm gonna start my own uh headband brand and go viral on tiktok or something oh, oh yeah like set up and i'll that, make that, them that the end thing right i'll make headbands popular and subvert them into pop culture so that way yeah or like i'm you you gotta regina georgia hey it's exactly such a good metaphor. Let's do it. <laughs> God. Well, before we do that, we got to share our, our uh, talk tales, girl. Oh, this is true. Uh, what uh, do you 
Who did you pick this week? So mine is from Awesome and Very Cool. That is the name of the <laughs> account. <laughs> and I, love that. I yeah, I was like, okay, uh, very on brand. They know what they're trying to do. Um, <laughs> and it is a video of a little child uh, walking up to a white dog. I don't. I'm not good with dog breeds, but it's like. A dog. (laughs) Is it a big dog? A very small, small kind of petite dog. Okay. Small fluffy white dog. Yeah. And uh, they walk up to it and um, have some interesting words. So uh, I'll play it. Yeah. Let's hear it. Oh, I think I've seen that. I have. Yeah, that, yeah, that it was the little kid that went up to it and it's the small white dog and then just <laughs> looks at, like, dead ass looks at it and it's like, a pig! A pig! And, oh and, my then, gosh. And, and then starts flapping their arms saying, oink, oink, oink. <laughs> I'm like, that child's fucked up from the start. You need to redo, like, Bingo's Barn with them. Like, <laughs> for real. <laughs> Bingo, yeah. The dog says, oink, mommy. <laughs> yeah, n- Nasus. So I saw that and I was like, there you go. Wholesome laughter. <laughs> Beautiful. I love that. I think, and to be fair, the dog does have like a pushed in nose. So he does look very pig like. I think it's a Pekingese. Yes, but, but it's just still. <laughs> so funny. That he was like, a pig. <laughs> a pig. Like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and, then, and then the dog just looks like looks into the puddle of their own reflection. It's just like, am I that big? <laughs> <laughs> Am I a pig? Okay. <laughs> I thought I was a human. <laughs> cool. uh, what about yours, Chica? Well, uh, my cocktail is by a unis- <clears throat> excuse me mm. by a user named at webkins.king traditional Not spelling. Webkins. I know it has nothing to do with the video, but I thought it was funny. Um, but it, <laughs> he's talking about if you want to have like an out of body experience in your own home, you can watch this specific episode of CSI New York that features Kim Kardashian. Um, and just so much goes down. I feel like it, it, he's great at explaining what it is. Okay. If you ever want to have an out of body experience for comfort of your own couch, watch season six, episode 11 of CSI New York. In this 40 minute long Christmas special, you will be treated to not one, but two full performances by the band Train. One of the most painful Christmas montages you've ever seen on a TV show. And pre-plastic surgery, Kim Kardashian playing a serial killer named Deb. This episode has got it all from Gary Sinassi being unable to express any emotion except for disgust to a live performance of Hey Soul Sister with no audio in the room to Kim Kardashian literally murdering somebody on screen. I cannot recommend this episode enough. <laughs> God, okay. <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm sold. I'm literally going to watch that. Haven't yet, but I will. Oh, well, it's Christmas time again, bitch. So <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, Kim K playing a serial killer? Hey, soul sister? What more could you want? <laughs> uh, that was such an overplayed song back then. Like, I like yes. just, just hearing the title is this like, oh, hey, soul sister by train. I'm like, throw my myself onto the train tracks <laughs> god uh, too real honestly uh i have history with that song but you know what else <laughs> <laughs> damn that's slick i didn't even see it coming um 
<laughs> it, it, it was a drive-by transition. <laughs> it was definitely. You were like, uh, I was stationary and you yanked me into the next scene. Let's go. <laughs> um, so history. Hershery, who would play them? Uh-uh. <laughs> um, so for this week, we thought, hey, um, history is a part of everyone's life. So why not talk about it? Um, <laughs> we pulled some uh particular moments from history's past to kind of bring up and you know have a little chit chat about it maybe some stuff that you knew already some stuff that you didn't and uh here we are hell yeah i'm ready to get started i'm super excited some of these topics uh i don't believe we've ever talked about on i mean i don't think we would have mentioned them on the podcast before yeah but we so. did um we picked our own, I guess, independently of each other. So yeah. some of these could be surprising uh, even to us. <laughs> so let's yep. find out. Uh, do you want to go first? La- ladies. Oh, first. sure. I mean. Age before beauty. Age before beauty. I was like, what is the saying? Because I'm not feeling the beauty part. <laughs> so God, I'm go first. No. You should with your little headband. <laughs> with my headband. I'm literally wearing my headphones as a headband. So it's kind of keeping me in the illusion I'm safe. Oh, um, <laughs> I'm safe from myself. <laughs> I mean, essentially. <clears throat> um, we should have done the histories of headbands. <laughs> literally be like you want to talk about fashion fashion part two headbands and why they should be popular in this essay i will (laughs) god (laughs) okay so mine uh my first topic is kind of a gross one so if you are squeamish turn away and maybe skip ahead a few minutes because i'm sure this won't take long but it is necessary to talk about um so it is uh the year is 1184 it's literally the medieval times yeah (laughs) it's a long ass time ago really bringing it back (laughs) oh yeah bringing it way back (laughs) um so this i would call one of the worst ways to die even by medieval standards um okay so it takes place in the kingdom of germany uh currently at this time it's known Deutschland. Uh, it's currently at this time known as the Holy Roman Empire. It's just a part of the Holy Roman Empire, but uh, oh, okay. where Germany, like modern day Germany is. Uh, it's a beautiful summer day in Erfurt. Uh, king Henry the Sixth, the current reigning king of Germany, is in town, so he's coming to visit. This was kind of like an important city um, within the land, anyway. It's kind of like known for important people stopping by and doing political things. So oh, okay. uh, there, he had reason to be in the city, but mostly he had made it a point to come visit. Um, he had to come to the city basically to attend some other business, but he was going to settle a feud between two really important lords um, that could have led to actual fighting and maybe like small battles. So oh, for the okay. yeah for the sanctity of his kingdom and also just him being king and kind of having a responsibility to mediate this as their feudal lord being like, okay, bring to me any problems you have. This is kind of one of those yeah. uh, I'm cashing in my chips. <laughs> so it was... Uh, <laughs> Louis III of Thuringia versus Archbishop Conrad of Mainz. Um, Their names probably won't matter. Uh, they did not die in this, so their feud. It's <laughs> their feud. Maybe might have gone on after this, even. Um, oh God! Okay. So the king's solution to all of this, he was like, "Look, you guys are beefing. I'm really not cool with that. We should all be besties. I'm going to call a gathering of nobles and bring everybody that I know that's super important and super rich to this one place, 
um, the Petersburg Citadel. It's like a church. It, it really was like a monastery because monks live there. So really nice, big, fancy meeting house. Uh, we can all gather and like we'll decide as a court uh, who's right and um, who's wrong. Basically, the dispute was over land. So it's not even like a matter of um, he said, she said. I guess it's like they got to draw property lines, which I'm sure is all they fought about back in the day. Okay. So, um, so King invites hella nobles and aristocrats. They're coming in from out of town um, just to stay in the city. A lot of them get there the day before because they're like, this is super important. I've been called by the king. Get the fuck out of my way. <laughs> so um, this happens on July 26th. So it is a hot ass, stank ass summer day. And the it's early in the morning because the king wants to get this over with uh, pretty much right away. He's like, I don't have time. I don't have all day. So everyone is filing into this uh, church and and the king is already sat in one alcove. He's on in like a stone alcove. And as uh -huh. these hundreds of people are like filing in, suddenly the floor gives way with no warning. Dozens oh, of aristocrats what? now fall into the basement. And there's like, you know, people screaming and yelling and trying to clamber up the broken floorboards that are still attached. Um, and this normally wouldn't have been a problem because a lot of people would have probably survived the fall. It's only one story. The issue stems from from the basement of this monastery was where they housed the latrines. So they fell into a giant vat of human excrement. Uh, uh, uh what? Huh? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it's just awful. It's chaos. And the king is just sitting there and his, of course, the stone floor didn't fall through. So he's sitting over there just looking on in horror while all of his rich friends like are swimming in poop trying to get out. Ew, it's estimated God. anywhere from 60 to 100 people died that day just by drowning and being unable to get above the surface of the slurry they fell in. Um, so I guess the it, they just hadn't cleaned it out in a really long time. And it's then awful. the floors gave way because there was too many people. Um, and yeah, that's just how that ended. I think the king wrapped it up. It's really unclear whether the dispute was even mediated if they ever solved it. So uh, it was just a shit day for everyone. Pun intended. God. <laughs> the setup. <laughs> how could you eat like, oh, be like, oh, you know what? They were such a good person. Be like, oh, you know what? I miss them. You know what? How did they die again? Oh, yeah. They drowned in shit. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. It's just, yeah, it's, I can't Im imagine a more horrifying way to go. Like, oh, girl. Mm. Yeah, so don't think about it too long. Yeah. But um, just know that that happened, and it probably put in place some safety requirements. Maybe like, hey, maybe not everybody should be inside. <laughs> you know. <laughs> maybe not everyone should be inside. Not <laughs> everyone should have shelter. <laughs> we all can't stand on this rotting wood floor, maybe. <laughs> God. Um, well, to take our mind off of shit, uh, <laughs> let's fast forward a little bit in time and um, to the 16th slash 19th century. Okay. Uh, where my uh, topic lies, uh, which is Commedia dell'arte. And I, <laughs> I was like, you know what? You know what would be a fun topic to tell these flops? Commedia dell'arte. <laughs> 
Um, I don't think I'd heard about it before you told me. Honestly, this is the only thing that I remember from high school theater class. <laughs> this oh. is like the only shit that kind of like I retained slash like uh, I had a class, not particularly this, but it was part of theater history that I had to take in college. But we got to this topic and I was like, ah, shit, I remember you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember I remember her. Yep. Yeah, she was the slut. <laughs> she was the slut. <laughs> Um, so Comedia del Arte all began uh in around 1545. Okay. So a big, big jump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically the future compared to where um, what we were just talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'll kind of read like a brief kind of synopsis. So uh it started in Italy. It is a Italian theatrical form that uh really branched out throughout um Europe in the 16th and 18th centuries um and all the characters would wear masks so masks were a big part of um the the art style of a commedia del arte um because based on the mask that they would wear you could tell automatically what type of um uh, character that is um so they have um the harley quinn that's where harley oh. quinn comes in as kind of um the witty uh witty male lead sort of okay um so his mask would be kind of more like not regal but like uh more nicer looking um and then you would have the merchant pantalone and Pantalone is essentially the old, grouchy, greedy, like, old guy. Um, Love it. Absolutely. <laughs> and his mask was typically with... And see, I don't know how, like... Uh, um, What's the word I'm trying to look for? Like, not not racist but like i was going to say like since he was all about money like he mm -hmm. he just had like a really big curved nose oh okay so it might have been like anti-semitic or something maybe but again like that that early in history of the like in the 16th century i don't particularly you know but i know that's a characteristic of that mask of that character so that's why people would be like oh the nose i know it's pantalone yeah and um and then you would have like other I mean, every story needs a greedy old man so yeah, <laughs> however much. he's characterized yes um but then there would be like other like servants along the way um this really paved the way for like kind of the archetypes that we still see in traditional media now mm -hmm. um because of like the archetypes of like you know the male lead and then the the um they have the lovers um in community del arte uh which is always like they can't be together but they love each other so that's basically their fucking story in every iteration um <laughs> and then um i'm forgetting the pronunciations of these names and mind you i've never i've never been good with names so i apologize i already apologize if i cannot say them not right so uh we have what's the name Bur not brigida <laughs> <laughs> bright bright hella brahella um she typically would help the lovers kind of get together or no 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 
my bad, my bad. Uh, she she's the other greedy bitch. She's like she's oh, like the old woman. Bitch. Yeah, she's okay. like the old woman being like uh in the corner. So if you don't have Pantalone, you have we'll just call her Brigida, even though I'm not saying the names <laughs> right. <laughs> please don't quote me on your tests (laughs) right (laughs) if you want accurate information google is free yeah uh columbina will say that's her name columbina that's the like um the the lead servant we'll say that would help the lovers get together essentially oh okay um oh that's kind of romantic so yeah so so basically it's like basically it's like the nurse in uh romeo and juliet a little bit like like like, just think of the nurse but like more italian (laughs) and like actively trying to get them together (laughs) (laughs) um and then there's like a like i thought there was only like six but there's like a fuck ton more which i did not learn about so i guess shame on my education but um (laughs) Basically, they community arte kind of revolutionized like satire as well, um, because it would be in kind of traveling groups around Europe and like little like um, we'll say like trailers, we'll say little buggies that they would be horse drawn and they would like pull up into like the the cities and the town square and like put on satires that would be kind of not i guess like well known around the era um mm-hmm. and also they kind of started uh pantomime like pantomime really like popped off uh from Camilla del arte and like europe like ran with it um oh, and if those yeah. who don't know what pantomime is that's what mimes do so amazing <laughs> the more you know yeah uh what else do i have written down yeah just oh slapstick as well um so uh basically when you think of slapstick think of the movie clue it's a lot of it's slapstick is physical humor so like mm-hmm. basically if a character's like going insane and someone slaps them that would be co- to like calm them down that's kind of a part of slapstick but then like slapping them again and they'll be like okay thank you for slapping me and then the third time it's like yeah. stuff like that okay um very much like three stooges kind of e- oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go thank you there's there it is i was like there was something else that's like a better example mm. um so if you're interested in that kind of form uh of theater or you know you want to expand your reading uh, uh roster that you can mm-hmm. read the play tartuffe um by Molière and um okay. that because that's that's basically commedia dell'arte characters but in a french storyline um because that's that's basically my like i love that uh play that we read because like it's just the best example and it's funny and um oh and basically also too in community del arte everything's kind of wrapped up in a neat little bow at the end like chaos ensues but like the Mm -hmm. last like probably pay two pages everything gets like resolved 
and be like, okay. oh, and like, it's always like an outside force coming in to like save the day. <laughs> be like, okay, so like all of this bullshit happened and like, like, like the stakes are just gone now. So <laughs> <laughs> literally <laughs> humans created this mess and they could not clean it up. <laughs> yeah. So, and so, so that's called, uh, I forgot the actual fucking term, but basically it's like act of God or like, like God comes in. So it's like, yeah. And what, and one of the stuff is like, oh, we need money to save the house. And like, they're struggling to like find money to save the house. Well, at the end of the fucking sh- uh, play, like, oh, the king heard about your dilemma and decided to pay for your house for the rest of your lives. You're welcome. <laughs> and like, that's like it. So it's like, okay, so all the shit that they've tried to do throughout this whole sh- play meant nothing. Doesn't matter. Because <laughs> uh, the king heard, heard your plight and was like, yeah, you know I what? guess so. So it's it, <laughs> it's just an interesting form of um theater. So I thought like, oh well, since it's kind of brought like the archetypes that we still kind of use today as like the no the the nosy maid, the young lovers, mm-hmm. the greedy old person. Like, yeah, I think it's interesting that it low key started from there. That is interesting. So the more I you know, no mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm learning every day. Look at me. I know. <laughs> it's not, not us trying to act like scholars. <laughs> like, <laughs> not me giving a course online. <laughs> Head to this website. I'm just kidding. <laughs> not not us trying to be adjunct professors at Phoenix University online. <laughs> <laughs> we can do better than Phoenix, baby. Come on. <laughs> we can do better than Phoenix? I don't know. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe we can't quite make it for Phoenix. Maybe we got to settle for like DeVry or something. <laughs> DeVry. <laughs> There you go. Uh, it's um, only fair. All right, girl. Well, I guess are you ready for me to lay the next one on? I'm you? I'm ready to take my notes. Do so. you have room in that big brain of yours? <laughs> Five big brains. Five big brains. Five whole brain cells is what this episode will give you. <laughs> oh, yeah, basically. Plus five. <laughs> All right. So uh, my next one is uh, basically the man himself, man the legend, uh, Gregory Rasputin from Russia. Oh, Mr. Rasputin? Oh, yeah. Ra Ra Rasputin. Lover of the Russian Queen. Oh my God. <laughs> you know him? <laughs> um, well, for those who don't, he w- kind of formed a cult at one point and then got really close to the Russian family, the Romanovs, um, and was said to be the man who could not be killed. So, oh. more on that later. Um, because how he dies is fucking crazy. And I was reading it and writing it down, and I was like, You're lying. You're literally lying to me. Um, oh, also, are we starting our sources? I used Wikipedia. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so, oh, Rasputin- no, I wasn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> this, is, this is a free-for-all, like, <laughs> we're not citing our shows. This is not a uh, thesis to be graded. So. Right. Okay. Well, hey, and we're not claiming this work as our own, so let us continue. Um, yeah. <laughs> so this uh, this man, he was born a peasant um, in Siberia, Good. so it's a really harsh <laughs> place to grow up. Uh, not a lot of people survive the winters, and uh, that means like a lot of stuff is just bare minimum up there. So, but even as a child, he uh, claimed to be like a mystic or a healer, um, and that's a theme he's carried like throughout his life. Is he's just known as a mystic man. He has great uh, healing powers from God. 
later in life, he did uh, become part of a cult and even went as far as to call himself the second coming of Christ. Oh, shit. So, oh, okay. Um, but there are priests who were super mad at him and were calling him the Antichrist, uh, and mostly based on his behavior. So we'll see who's right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> so picture you be the judge. <laughs> <laughs> right. You, you lay down the judgment on that one. Um, but as a child, Rasputin said he saw angels and had visions from God. He also knew things about his neighbors, the adult neighbors, that he couldn't know, uh, yet somehow the adults around him would still be astounded. Um, he would go around his community and he would heal horses who were sick just with by touching them. Um, so, you know, like a great, you have like a fucking golden child, uh, as a teenager and as a young adult though, he like took a turn for the worse. He started drinking, he would steal. He's literally just a pain in everyone's ass. Um, he did grow up to be, uh, like he had a wife, but he grew up to be an abusive alcoholic. He cheated on her. He eventually got to a point where he stole a horse and then everyone knew him as a horse thief. So he had to flee town. Oh. Um, but at the ripe old age of 28, he had a come to Jesus and he went to a monastery and uh, adopted monkhood. He became a monk. Oh, um, yeah. that, okay, sure, sure. <laughs> and not even like a regular kind of monk, but like an extremism monk where they weren't normal. They would actually like torture themselves or like purposely make themselves feel pain um, to feel closer to God. They also weren't allowed to bathe when they traveled to evangelize. So they stunk to high heavens. Um, I don't Ugh. know if that was purpose, but they stank real bad. Um, and it was during his evangelization of traveling around, he was told he would come across the Clisty cult. Um, basically, it was this group Clisty. of people. Yeah, that's what they're called. Clisty. I was like, cl mm. not like Clutterbest, but like Clisty. <laughs> <laughs> so they were a group of okay. people who <laughs> lived in the woods um, of Siberia. And they were also religious, but in a different way because they would choke each other like to almost to the point of passing out and then like let go and the high of being asphyxiated said they said it brought them closer to god um and then once they uh -huh. were all like in high spirits and like jo jumping around they would speak in tongues they would just like get into a frenzy and then they would start to just like go until they couldn't go anymore and just collapse on the floor and when they come to they just wake up and have sex with whoever is laying next to them and it devolved into a massive orgy so oh, like oh, like anyone or like yeah like anyone like if you were there and you were already in on it and you were like passing out just from being like fucking crazy and then waking up you were kind of expected to join in on the orgy and they did oh so i mean that is what they were known for. okay <laughs> so, i mean all right wear a condom <laughs> I, I mean hey uh it, who knows this was also oh, i don't know the time period it was a long time ago it was one of the real ones <laughs> before the Romanovs maybe I don't know anyway I didn't look that far <laughs> um so anyway he gets to a point where he's like had his time in the cult he's had his time in the monkhood and he has a connection to the royal family so he has uh, a mentor from the monastery his name is Makari he was actually the former religious advisor to the Romanovs the uh, royal family at the time so he was able to send uh Rasputin basically like rich clients he's like hey I have all these connections to these noble people i'm gonna send them your way because you're a mystic and a healer and you can take their money and heal them and you know do god's work 
a lot of people did believe that he did good though and he would heal people and he would people would come to him with their ailments and they would be cured when they left so i don't know if it was i didn't look too far into it to be like is he actually just like practicing medicine or if he was like just you know genuinely touching them and it was like a placebo and people felt better but in any case people really did believe him uh the one thing people said like across the board about him though that his is that his stare was terrifying yingling don't do that please (laughs) (laughs) he's trying to knock my desk over by leading into it go on dude i I mean he's he's just so captivated like he he wants to know what (laughs) um so basically uh he literally looks terrifying like he will stare into your soul and like people also felt uneasy around him because of that and they started to believe um the priest there were two two priests in particular who were up his ass they were like you're the antichrist you're a piece of shit you're never going to change like you gotta like you have to be taken out so we'll get to that but he definitely like accumulated some enemies um okay but so he starts to become more involved with the romanovs the royal family because yeah. they have a young son named alexi who has hemophilia it's a bleeding disorder he can't get the blood to stop if he starts bleeding or it's very difficult to get the bleeding to stop if it once it starts oh yeah so super terrifying for any parent to have like a six-year-old boy who skins his knee and it just will not stop bleeding and you're worried he's gonna bleed out because he's only so big so all of a sudden this exact thing happens and rasputin shows up at the royal palace saying he had a vision from god and he has to help or the boy will die and it's odd to the royal family because they have kept uh the boy's condition a secret for all the the time that they have known rasputin they refused to tell him because they wanted to see if he was the real deal and would figure it out on his own um, who's to say if he did or not? He was also friends with a couple of their cousins who might have given him the inside scoop, but you know, that's neither here nor there. He comes in. Um, <laughs> he uh, convinced the Tsarina Alexandra Romanov um, to like help him come inside and he stopped the doctors from giving the boy aspirin which is a blood thinner and made it worse um so that is what stopped the bleeding but then the Tsarina was like oh my god you're a miracle man um he stopped bleeding when you came in and started taking over so like i have to have you in my life so uh it was also said that he became like a personal doctor to the czar and the Tsarina, the king and queen um because he would have them dependent and addicted on morphine and heroin. So, oh God! Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, he started <laughs> uh, <laughs> just like just you know dr- drug use. That's, I he mean, just hey. yeah, he wasn't a great guy. Claimed to be a holy man, not really all that good. Um, he also had a long streak of going to bathhouses and buying prostitutes, but then um, abusing them and like telling them he's beating the sins out of them. So he was just a weird, fucked up dude. Ah. Yeah, not great. <laughs> so uh, the first assassination attempt. This is where those two priests I told you about that like super wanted him dead because they think he's the Antichrist. Yeah. One of them uh, hires this uh, former prostitute, uh, Kierna Guseva. She was for like she used to be a prostitute, but she was uh, very ab- abused by a client where her entire nose was gone. And it was just a hole in her face. So she was convinced by this priest. He was like, hey, Rasputin abuses prostitutes. He's a super bad guy. You should really fuck him up, like get some revenge on him for everything he's done to these girls. Um, And she's like, absolutely, I should. Um, And this is where he (laughs) kind of garners the nickname, the man who would not die. 
Um, so she's in his hometown in Siberia. Um, he sees her and is just like, hey, like I can go evangelize to her. He walks over not even knowing she knows who he is, it much less is looking to kill him. <laughs> so God. he starts talking to her and she's like, oh, I know who you are and just immediately starts stabbing him in the stomach. Oh my God. Like, repeatedly. <laughs> um, people, she has to be torn off of him. Uh, he takes a few months in the hospital to recover, but he does eventually recover, even though everyone said he should be dead. So at this point, um, he was already close to the royal family, but I guess the Tsarina was like, I, I really need you here all the time. So he started giving her counsel and kind of um, directing the way Russia should be led almost. Um, and people took issue with that uh, as time went on. And they were like, you're not in charge and you shouldn't be telling the king and queen what to do. So like, fuck off. <laughs> uh, so this is this is how he dies. Oh, uh, the Tsarina's nephew, his name is Felix uh, Yusupov. Uh, I mean, many people wanted Rasputin dead, but like th this guy super did. <laughs> so he told Rasputin that him and his wife Irina um, are swingers, and she says that she's bisexual. Um, and he just like he needs Rasputin to come over and heal her of her quote unquote sex addiction. Um, that she like has this problem and she has to be healed by him. So he comes over uh -huh. and right, he comes over um, and they lead him to a basement where they were like, oh yeah, she's upstairs. She's getting ready. She'll join us in a minute. But like sit down, eat and drink while you're waiting. Um, they're feeding him wine. They're feeding him little cakes. Um, and they sit there for two and a half hours and they're just staring at this man, wondering why he's not dead because they've laced everything with cyanide. And oh it's been God. two and a half hours and he hasn't even broken a sweat. Yes. Well, so they say. I don't know. But yeah, I was like, <laughs> are you kidding? <laughs> by, by word of mouth, I heard. Right. So eventually... Um, Felix gets up. He's fucking frustrated. He's like, I'm going to go see where uh, Irina is. Uh, goodbye. He walks upstairs, goes to get a revolver, literally comes right back down. Rasputin sees him with the revolver, doesn't care, is not phased at all. And he gets shot, I think, in the chest or something. Oh, my God. Um, so Felix leaves and Rasputin is just like in the basement dead. Yeah. Presumably. Uh, later on that Presumably. Evening, <laughs> hang on. Make us crazy here. So later on that evening, uh, Felix comes back with the doctor just to like make sure he's dead. And as they go over to check his pulse and everything, Rasputin lunged. He like sprung up at them. The doctor immediately fainted um, and Felix fled to go get other people to help him. Um, he was like, what the fuck? This man is still alive. I cannot believe it. Once he gathers everybody and gets back to the basement, Rasputin had actually escaped out of the cellar stairs and he was making his way across the yard. Um, he was crawling away and eventually they he he does get caught up to he's immediately shot in the head by felix and then five other men with revolvers are also just like filling him with bullets um so he is just like riddled at this point oh my god uh, i know it's rough so they load him up into a car in the trunk and they take him to a river where they throw him into a hole in the ice and say goodbye um, later when the body is recovered, his arms are found in an upward position like he would have been pushing on the ice and water was found in his lungs as if he was still alive and breathing when he went in the water. So they they were like, how did he survive all of the bullets and then being thrown in the ice and then still trying to fight? Who's to say? 
Um, once this news got back to some really important people, they were so terrified. They had already re- buried Rasputin, but they dug him, dug him up <laughs> again and buried him. Uh, or and burned him, sorry. They dug him up <laughs> and burned him oh, because they yeah. were like, I'm I mean, not taking any fucking chances. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're not doing this here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the only other thing, uh, before they burned him, they did cut off his penis. And it is still on display in a museum in St. Petersburg because it was apparently like legendary for some reason i think it's because legendary yeah there was a legendary (laughs) i mean this might be the only one i don't know (laughs) i what (laughs) yeah yeah crazy i mean and he predicted his death he wrote about it in his diary he wrote a letter to the tsarina and was like look one of your own family members is going to kill me and once they do your whole family is going to be dead within two years that very much proved true with the Bolshevik revel- uh, revolution. Uh, the entire Romanov family was killed and Russia would never be the same again. Well, shit, bitch. I know. Mm. That man would not die. I was like, <laughs> holy <laughs> hell. Man, I, I'm sorry to that man, but <laughs> <laughs> but genuinely. <laughs> but genuinely. Uh, his penis is on display? Yeah, and his penis is on display. I'm sure it looks sh- like shriveled and disgusting. Uh, I've never been to St. Petersburg. You mean but I every other penis? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> God. And at this point, it's over 100 years old. Like, give it up. Put it to rest. Yeah. Just just burn it, maybe? Yeah, I don't probably know. burn it. Um, yeah, well, all damn. All right. D- took really us on a journey. <laughs> I know. From <laughs> orgy cults to healing to not dying ever. Yeah. No how much Multiple bullet wounds, you. but then still <laughs> pushing up on ice to try to survive crazy um so my next one isn't necessarily like a topic per se but it just um i found this article and i thought it was really interesting so it's like why not um it is 50 50 amazing historical facts that you never knew so i'm not gonna do all 50 i'm just kind of scouring them again and just kind of plucking the ones that are like actually like oh shit not like actually abraham lincoln was a racist like like shit like that like is this like yeah okay okay (laughs) so uh the first one i have is a woman was elected to congress before women could actually vote no yep a woman just sit there (laughs) i mean a woman was elected to the U.S. Congress before women could even vote. Jeanette Rankin, Rankin, I think, uh, joined Congress in 1916, which was four years before women could actually vote. The 19th Amendment, which gave women the right to vote, wasn't passed until August 8, August 18th, 1920. Damn, I hope she was there to help pass it then. I know. Um, the Bloody Mary wasn't always called Bloody Mary. Oh. What was it called? Uh, um, so, because like you know what Bloody Marys are, right? Yeah, um, tomato juice, vodka, celery stick, <laughs> and like yeah, and like something else. Yeah. Uh, the popular brunch beverage and hangover cure, which I do not stand by. I don't think it's a that's a cure. mistake. You can fuck off with that. But um, <laughs> uh, did not actually start off being called a Bloody Mary. Uh, it was actually called a bucket of blood. Oh my gosh, that's revolting. After a bucket of blood, it transitioned to 
Red Snapper. Much better. <laughs> and finally, Bloody Mary. Yeah, I think I would do Red Snapper then. Oh, yeah, I would love that bucket of blood. Yeah, if you could bring a bucket of blood <laughs> to the table, <laughs> I'd be fucking thrilled. <laughs> yeah. just uh, That's amazing. No, no, we're just not uh, having that. Um, the color red <laughs> on my nails right now is actually Bloody Mary is the name. <gasps> I knew yeah. it. It was tied in. Bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little tidbit. Uh. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Um, Walt Disney did not draw Mickey Mouse. I think I knew this one. Uh, while Walt Disney did have the idea of Mickey Mouse and also provided the voice, the um, uh, the imagery was created by the animator. Ooh, ooh, I cannot say that. Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> like <laughs> it's a weird name. It's like U B. That's the, the that's the first name, and then I W E R K S. Wow. Okay. So that's that, them. Um. He came up with yep praise them uh he ca- uh, he came up with the uh, iconic features okay so it is a he uh, uh you won't look at the adorable mouse the same it's like mm, it's okay. uh maria internet um <laughs> walt disney voiced mickey mouse yeah though. me neither i didn't know he was That's a voice really <laughs> um maria antoinette never said let them eat cake no it's her aunt bitch i did a project on this in eighth grade oh really oh <laughs> Okay. Well then, hey, you have you have more than this website. Let's oh, just okay. said a a version of this quote actually came from the autobiog- autobiography of John Jacques French name, uh, which which it was mentioned a princess said this phrase. Ah, uh, okay. Maybe it was her aunt, but maybe her aunt was a princess. Maybe it's the same person. I always, yeah, maybe. I, I don't remember who told me that, but I was like, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, witches weren't actually burned at the stake in Salem. What is the explanation to that I one? know, that's odd. Uh, the witch trials in Salem, Massachusetts. <laughs> it's odd, Alan. It was an excuse to kill women. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> There aren't real witches. Are you kidding? <laughs> uh, I mean, ha, ha, ha. Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 the trials lasted between uh, February 1692 and May 1693. Nearly 200 people were accused of practicing witchcraft, including the homeless, the elderly, and a four-year-old girl. Oh, my God. The majority were jailed, and some were hanged, but, uh, but none of those people were uh were ever burned alive okay well that's nice i know they drowned a few <laughs> just to, yeah to get rid of them. <laughs> just to get them out of here <laughs> that uh book i'm reading right now slewfoot yeah it's about um it's set in late 1600s connecticut and it centers mm-hmm. around uh this woman abatha who basically has no power because all the men are like go to church and don't speak and you have no rights and blah 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 so uh she gets revenge on all of them and i'm excited to see how it turns out because she teams up with the fucking devil Shit. i know so um. <laughs> <laughs> the witch trials uh so this next one uh is ronald reagan was a believer uh, in astrology mm. 
Uh, Ron Reagan was deeply interested in astrology. Both he and Nancy were. Actually, if you are curious, Ronald Reagan was an Aquarius. Um, uh, though the cosmos never influenced any political decisions on his part, he reassured. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean... Uh-huh. Are you sure? Are you sure, Aquarius? Mm. Mm. Interesting. I what never would have guessed that if you had told me that. I would have been like, any president? Probably not Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not Reagan. I mean, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see. Uh, Abraham Lincoln was also a licensed bartender. Um, Hell yeah. You know, hey, he loves the, 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 the cocktails. And you know what? Who would blame him? I know. There's got to be uh, a cocktail named after him at this point. You know what? It should be. Um, <laughs> was it? Uh, ketchup was sold in the 1830s as medicine. <laughs> You're kidding. Stop. That's what it says. Forget ibuprofen. (laughs) In the 1930s, when it came to popular medicine, ketchup was all the rage. In 1934, it was sold as a cure for indigestion by a Ohio physician called John Cook. It wasn't popularized as a condiment until the late 18th century. Yeah, 18th century. That literally sounds not real. there's a doctor cook who would prescribe ketchup tell me you're lying on top of like but also specifically for indigestion yeah like no what do you mean (laughs) that's horrible license revoked you know what straight to jail (laughs) straight to jail uh pope gregory the fourth i think that's what it is yeah pope gregory the fourth declared a war on cats wow Uh, because they're like evil is that why uh let's see pope gregory the fourth declared war on cats in the 13th century he said (laughs) the black cats were instruments of satan i I guess that's where where we get the black cat stigma i guess from uh because of this belief he uh ordered the extermination of these felines (gasps) throughout europe Europe. however uh this plan backfired as it uh as it resulted in increase in the population of plague carrying rats of course so you killing the cats i was killing the rats well then sis dummy there you go big dummy (laughs) uh cleopatra was not egyptian oh i did not know that uh despite what you believe did she marry into the family (laughs) well so let's see uh despite of what you believe the last queen of egypt wasn't born in egypt uh as best as historians can tell Cleopatra the seventh again it's Roman numeral so I'm I think it's the seventh Cleopatra the <laughs> seventh uh that was her that was her formal name was Greek uh she was a descendant oh. of Alexander the Great's Macedon Macedonian general Greek name <laughs> I yeah don't know how to say I remember Alexander the Great he literally conquered so much land like everywhere <laughs> that's the only <laughs> thing I remember about <laughs> <laughs> uh, fuck you Magellan <laughs> right can't compare to alexander the great bitch. um using forks used to be seen as sacrilegious why uh forks the widely used eating utensil were once seen as blasphemous they were first introduced in italy in the 11th century uh these spiked spaghetti twirling instruments were seen as an um seen as an offense to god and why 
do you ask? Because they were artificial hands, and as such, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Sacrilegious! Wow, rude. Yeah, yeah. Um, Wait, if they were invented in Italy, and the Pope literally resides in Italy, I get. How did that get out from under his nose? Was he too busy? Doing other Pope well, things. Maybe, well, I get. Well, I guess maybe the Pope was like, "Ah, eh, yeah, that's fine." <laughs> yeah, fuck the cats, but forks are cool. <laughs> yeah. Um. The the Olympics used to be. Uh. Wait. What is it? Uh, uh. The Olympics used to award medals for art. I love that. We need to bring that back. Honestly. Yeah. From 1912 to 1948, the Olympic Games wow. held competitions in fine arts. Medals were given for literature, architecture, sculpture painting and music naturally the art created oh. was required to be olympic theme uh according according to the modern olympics french name guy uh mm-hmm. the addition of the arts was necessary because the ancient greeks used to hold art festivals alongside the game hmm. that's amazing i know bring that back yeah seriously i would go i would watch the olympics if it's if there's like a they said music too if there's a yeah. Yeah. concert for the olympics oh bet your ass i'm watching bet your ass i'm trying to get tickets <laughs> right it would be like um, eurovision but so much better <laughs> and then just the last one i have here is turkeys were once worshipped like gods no yeah uh while the turkey is currently america's favorite part of thanksgiving uh in 300 bce uh this big uh these big birds were um hair by the Mayan people as vessels of the gods and were honored as such uh, so much so they were domesticated to have roles in religious rites they were the symbol of power and prestige and can be found everywhere in Mayan um, like symbols wow so okay turkey sorry turkey (laughs) yeah turkeys are dicks too they're really not nice birds well (laughs) yeah because I guess they're like we were once treated as gods (laughs) yeah now they're just bitter (laughs) yeah (laughs) wow i yeah i never would have if it you had said any bird would have been um not turkey girl god it's not a turkey absolutely not (laughs) bitch you're the driest meat (laughs) (laughs) right you don't even taste good maybe that's why they're bitter (gasps) maybe (laughs) they're like we don't even taste good and you kill us (laughs) (laughs) well that's all that i have okay well i do have uh just one more if you're ready i guess i mean i'm i mean hey this punch is hitting so i'm (laughs) i'm listening (laughs) sit back and enjoy the ride yeah Okay, um, so my next topic is Amelia Earhart. The, the baddest uh, bitch. The baddest bitch. She's the baddest of them all. Um, so she was definitely America's sweetheart for a time um, and sadly went missing in uh, 1937. Okay. But she was uh, a really important uh, aviator, um, I think just for women and for aviation in general. She set a lot of records. So she was born July 24th, 1897. 1897. I had to look that up twice because I was like, there's no fucking way, but it's true. Um, 
Damn. I guess <laughs> I just did not realize um, the 1800s were that close, but or that we still talk about this. Maybe in any case, yeah. uh, she's a Leo. <laughs> <laughs> she's a Leo. Yeah. Okay, Ronald Reagan already knew that. Already, yeah, already been new. He's like, okay, what else? Uh, she's mostly <laughs> most famously known for being um, the first female aviator to fly solo across the Atlantic Ocean. She accomplished that in 1932. Um, so she was, and she was also an avid writer. Uh, she was the first uh i literally already said that (laughs) she set many other records um she was not only the first woman to fly the over the atlantic solo but she was the only person to do it twice up until that point men and women included uh she set the record for the longest flight by a woman and she also crossed the atlantic in the shortest amount of time out of men and women so I thought that was really cool. I was like, you go. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and she was born in Atchison, Kansas. <laughs> Not Kansas. I know. I was like, I'm from Atchison. <laughs> Where the fuck is that? <laughs> <Where>? Right. <sighs> um, I'm sorry for our uh, people who live live there that who listen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's from uh, the most popular girls in school. I mean, Atchison's famous at this point. <laughs> Um, oh, you're right. You're right. I forgot about it. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I have heard that name somewhere in the back I of my know brain. Where I, I know of an Atchison. <laughs> Swizzle <Literally. stairs. laughs> So, um, basically, I, there's, she has lit, let, she had led a super interesting life up until uh, the late 1930s when she went to um basically fly around the entire world uh she was going to be the first woman to do this so she set out it took a couple attempts but i'm just going to talk about her last attempt where she disappeared uh just for time because she led an incredibly long and amazing life in her short 39 years on this earth Uh. excuse me so she had a crew of three uh, men that she assembled uh, basically to get this task done. Captain Harry Manning uh, was her going to be her first navigator. Fred Newman was her second navigator. And Paul Ma- Paul Mance was a technical advisor for her. Um, he was a Hollywood stuntman, so I thought that was really interesting. Uh, <laughs> what? Hollywood? Yeah. Or? Mm-hmm. But yeah, he had qualifications and I guess that's uh, that's enough. He's like, yeah. to be a technical <laughs> advisor, if something's going to go wrong, a stuntman probably knows it. So that makes sense. <laughs> Um, but the plane that she was traveling on was the Lockheed Electra Model 10. I think Electra is just such a cool name. Um, yeah, so, but it was uh, specifically modified to have no passenger windows. And then she also added extra fuel and batteries uh, storage for those, as well as like a navigation station. Uh, just for oh, her shit. purposes, she was she literally stripped this bitch down and put as much fuel and supplies on it as possible. Um, so the original plan was to fly west from California to Hawaii to Australia to India over Africa, um, land in Florida, and then go back to California to make her circle around the globe. Yeah. So she started this uh, May se- or March seventeenth of nineteen thirty-seven in Oakland, California. Uh, she had like the first leg was pretty easy. They had periodic problems trying to get to Hawaii, but they ended up staying in, uh, on the island for three days to do some like repairs before taking off. 
but when they tried to take off from Hawaii, something catastrophic happened. Um, she had to, she wasn't able to take off properly, so she had to circle back and land, and there was heavy damage to the plane uh, to the point where they had to ship it back to California. So, like, oh, she had wow. gone the first leg, and it, like, it was not going well. Um, they had lost so much money at that point, she had to campaign, campaign for funds and do fundraising with her husband, George Putnam, um, which I didn't look into how they met, but he at one point was a publicist looking for women to fly along with a man to cross the Atlantic Ocean. Um, so she was also the first woman to cross it, not solo, but like the first woman period to yeah. cross it in an airplane. So Damn. Um, via this publicist, George Putnam, so who she later ended up marrying. Um, but anyway, they, uh, they're they gone for so long. She's campaigning. She's literally so tired. Uh, and once they have enough money, it's been so long that they have to craft a new flight plan because of weather changes. So now they decide they're going to go east across the world. Um, at this point, um, Paul Mance backs out the Hollywood stuntman who was her technical advisor. He had a contract dispute. And then Harry Manning is also dipping out because he had prior commitments. So it's literally ah. her and Fred Noonan and nobody else. Uh, or not that I saw through my research. There might have been, but they're the main two people and they are the two people who yeah. go missing ultimately. <laughs> so <laughs> I think they were in it till the end together. Uh, but finally, um, three months after her first attempt, on June 1st, she leaves Oakland, California to go to Miami. Um, things are great, super successful. They go to Puerto Rico. Things are going well. They go to Morocco. And then from Africa, they go to India. Everything is going great. They're um, traveling down through uh, Southeast Asia, through Bangkok. And they finally make it to Australia, where apparently they had to do some crucial repairs to the airplane. So this is where she leaves from Australia to go to Lee, New Guinea. Um, or lay okay. new guinea sorry uh and that happens on june 29th so it takes her like the full month of june just to get to lay new guinea um and this was supposed to be her final leg of the trip yeah so she's traveled twenty-two thousand out of her twenty-nine thousand miles she needs to go uh she only got seven thousand miles left which it should be like chump change to her at this point yeah because you've gone so far but the issue is she's driving from or driving. She's flying from <laughs> yeah, LA. <laughs> she's driving that flying car that Ronald Weasley has. <laughs> um, she has to go to Howland Island. It's very small. It's very flat. And a lot of pilots can confuse it with um, cloud cover. So you have to be flying at like a thousand feet or less to even see it sometimes, especially if it's bad weather. So kind of a shitty target. Um, they plan ahead for this, though. They put in a shit ton of fail safe. They have uh, sextants for celestial navigation, um, so they can do it by hand if they really need to. Um, they have contact with two massive ships that are on the water, and they told them to light up every light they have to like make a runway for the island just so they could see oh, nice. uh, where this, this place is. So they should have been able to see it. Um, and one of those ships is the Itasca, and that's going to be really important because it's the last ship that they make contact with. So it's July 2nd, the day they go missing. Um, immediately there are errors that first morning um, or in the morning, first thing. They fail to bring any short radio wave frequency radios. Um, they only have high frequency radios that they brought with them. Um, and the theory is that they left the short uh, frequency radios behind for fuel cans. They wanted more fuel on the ship. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. um, it's estimated that they filled the Electra to 1,000 gallons 
gallons. Uh, so 50 gallons short of its total like fullness capacity. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that matters, but they do mention running low on gas later. Um, it's also overcast on this day, so you can't use those celestial navigation uh, things because you literally can't see the stars. Um, and then they also, the I think the biggest flaw that happened was they had the incorrect maps. They had um, just like poorly, uh, poorly, I guess, um, drafted navigational maps that oh, okay. put them six miles off of their real location. So if you're oh, searching uh, for something along a line that you think an island should be on this longitude line, you're following the wrong longitude line. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of a big deal. Also, in general, radio communication was just poor that day. Um, there was a misunderstanding between their plane and the ship, the Itasca, um, as to what frequency to use and even what check-in time because the plane that they were on, they were using uh, Greenwich civil time and then the ship was using naval time zone. So they were 30 minutes apart. Um, if you say it's Ooh. seven, they say it's 7.30. It's not yeah. good. Mm -hmm. So at 7.20 a.m., they had been driving, or <laughs> driving, fuck. They'd been flying all night. I mean, you really want to make her. A I know. I was like, driver. she's going to be a race car and a fucking race car driver in my head uh, for whatever reason. Uh, but they had been flying all night. So it's come 7:20 a.m. Earhart reports their location. They're about 20 miles off the New Camara Islands. Um, at 7:45, they say this. Itasca, we must be on you, but we cannot see you. But gas is running low. Been unable to reach you by radio. We are flying at 1,000 feet. The ship replies, but again, there's no indication that she got this message. They had been sending a steady stream of communications, but there was no reply from Earhart that she had heard them mm. for whatever reason. Um, and I think it's because they were using high-frequency radios, and the they said specifically the ships did not have high-frequency radios to send a correspondence back. So they could hear them, but they couldn't reply. Damn. At 8.43 a.m., they get their last transmission um, where they Earhart reports their location. Um, at that point, their real path was five nautical miles off of course. Um, Noonan, Fred Noonan was her navigator. Um, and if he was following those incorrect maps, it would have been correct to them, but they would not have seen an island because there is nothing there. So they know something is wrong. Immediately a search is launched. It's like 66 aircrafts and and nine ships. It's like a $4 million search that's authorized by President Franklin D. Roosevelt himself. Oh, fuck. Um, yeah. All 16 right, days later, yeah, they do not find anything. The search is stopped, but George Putnam didn't stop searching. Um, Amelia Earhart's husband, uh, he even con he consulted private investigators. He even consulted psychics at one point, desperate to find where she might be. Um, there are the main theory that's accepted it is just that they crash and sank somewhere and are never going to be recovered because they're just at the bottom of the ocean. Um, yeah. But there is a theory that the International Group for Historic Aircraft Recovery, like the main search and rescue for this project since it yeah. happened, um, has been, they think they might have landed on Gardner Island. So briefly, this is, well, not briefly, but <laughs> this is what it is. The Gardner Island hypothesis assumes that Earhart and Noonan were unable to find how 
Howland Island, so they didn't waste any time searching for it. Instead, they turned south to look for other islands. Um, that last radio transmission where they gave their coordinates suggests that they flew a course that would take them past Baker Island, but if they missed this, they would sometime later fly over the Phoenix Islands, now part of uh, the Republic of Kiribati, about uh, 350 nautical miles south-southeast of Howland Island. Uh, one of the Phoenix Islands, known as Gardner Island, um, now known as Nikomororo, uh, has been subject of inquiry <laughs> as a possible crash landing site. <laughs> so they think Nikomororo is probably where they had landed. Huh. So there was an investigation launched by the International Group for Historic Aircraft Recovery, TIGAR is what their acronym spells. Uh, so they begin an investigation and then they eventually, they sent 11 research expedi expeditions since 1988. Um, but they've ultimately come back with inconclusive results. They have suggested that Earhart and Noonan may have flown without further radio transmissions for about two and a half hours along the line of position Earhart noted in her last transmission. Um, they think that they found Gardner Island and landed the Electra on an extensive reef flat near the wreck of a large freighter on the northwest side, uh, but ultimately perished there. They have mm. found artifacts on the island. Um, Anika Mororo, they have included improvised tools, an aluminum panel, an oddly cut piece of pl clear plexiglass, and a size nine woman's shoe heel. Oh. So, right. Uh, recently rediscovered Photos of Electra's or of Earhart's Electra just before departure in Miami show an aluminum panel over a window on the right side. Uh, the head of Tigar claimed the aluminum panel artifact to be the same dimensions and rivet pattern as the one shown in the photo to a high degree of certainty. So he really thinks that what they found was uh, on the island was from her ship or from her plane. Yeah. Who knows um, if that is true or not? I I didn't follow up on that. <laughs> Um, I know, but it's pretty convincing, though. It is pretty convincing. It's just, uh, they also said that they had found a, um, what was it? Oh, here we go. Uh, some uh, uh, other resources have criticized Tigar as seizing on unlikely possibilities as circumstantial evidence. For example, an article criticized the suggestion that a jar of freckle ointment found on Nicomaroro might have been Earhart's when the Electra was virtually a flying gas station with little room for amenities as Earhart and Noonan carried extra gas tanks in every scrap of available space and absence of any corroborating evidence connecting the artifact to her so ultimately there is no provable link to gardner island uh so almost 100 years later the mystery remains unsolved dun, dun, dun. i know but uh maybe that's one of the things we learn once we move on to the great beyond <laughs> we learn all <laughs> maybe of the, the world get mysteries one question and, like, oh. and this is gonna be mine <laughs> yeah <laughs> essentially <laughs> Con. So yeah, that's all I got. Well, thank you so much, adjunct uh, Professor DePhillips. You're um, welcome. <laughs> thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Oh <laughs> uh, well, uh, I think I, I mean yeah, because I was like I don't really have anything else uh, on my neck of the woods. So do you think it's time to close up this history book? I do. I think we've 
we've rewritten enough of herstory for for now until next time <laughs> yeah <laughs> well uh if you love this um lesson so much uh <laughs> please feel free to give us a review um you know it's free give us five big plane crashes uh no Hell uh, no five, <laughs> five <laughs> big stars <laughs> um oh <my> <laughs> it really goes a long way it helps us help you um but if that's not your gig you know what could be your gig an email send us a little telecommunication message um (laughs) and you can do that uh by sending an email to culture and crew pod at gmail.com that's right we really don't get enough emails so keep us company (laughs) we love talking to y'all just 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 send us a line you might as well i mean there's no one stopping you (laughs) but uh we also have social media if you prefer to be a lurker that is totally cool too a lurker i am anti-social myself so uh you can follow us on twitter at cauldron crew pod and we also have instagram at bitches.brew.pod there you go sir thank you i'm getting really good at that (laughs) i'm getting Look, Ma, I'm learning. (laughs) Hey, if you didn't learn something this episode, sorry, we'll try harder next time. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's it's definitely on us, not you. You're never the problem. Never. You're perfect. Um, You could do no wrong, dear listener. (laughs) Well, until next time, stay sipping, my pretties. Bye-bye. Goodbye. History? Don't you mean history, honey? hey <laughs> Enough. I'm going to have to block you. Not, I mean, what? This, this will go down in our history books. Oh, I will not forget. Thank you. <laughs> Bye, y'all. <laughs> Goodbye. Russians.